You are listening to Justin C. Gleason. Please consider following and keeping this podcast playing in the background of your productive day. Give a five-star rating and support by giving through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. It's 2022, the year we prevail. find myself essentially that means I'm lost and I need to reinvent who I am I don't I don't know what people mean really when they mean that I some people I I, I hear them say I'm trying to find myself and I think oh that's a good thing you're headed for good things and then other people I just look at them and I'm thinking uh, that's code for I'm spinning out of control you know, you have to do something for yourself in life. That's the only way you're going to excel. The only way you're going to succeed is if you do something for yourself. I like what the uh, old-time preachers used to say, God helps those who help themselves. It's not a specific verse in the Bible per se, but the idea is there. God rewards those who diligently seek him. So for these people that say I'm trying to find myself, my idea is if you find God, that is where you will find yourself. You need to find yourself in God's will. You need to find yourself in God's way. You need to find yourself in God's plan. And it's easier said than done, of course. Look, I I figured it out in my teens. I thought, you know, in my teens, I don't need to have my, my life all figured out. But what I have figured out is I need to know who I am. I need to know who I am. I am not perfect, but I am apostolic. <laughs> I, I don't have it all figured out. I've, I've made mistakes. I've sinned since I got baptized, right? But I know that God is gracious and God forgives, and I'm going to pursue him wholeheartedly. And I did, and I figured out who I was. I was apostolic to the core. One God, Jesus' name, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled, holiness, uh, gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, dreams, visions, miracles, wonders, signs. I knew it. I knew God had called me to preach. I knew God had called me to Bible college. And I didn't have my life all figured out, but I knew who I was. And I think that is important. I know uh, a lot of you here that are listening, you're 16, you're 17, you're 18. You need to figure out who you are. You need to figure out who you are. Then, you know, you get into your 20s and you kind of figure out where you're going uh, in your 20s, most of us figure out um, our kind of our career path. Now, you most of us don't really get the position, get the uh, uh, income and all of that until we're around the age of 40. That's the way it works out for most people in America. Now, some start off with a bank, boom, 20 years old, they're ready. They're a millionaire ready to go. And I like that. Why not? Uh, if there's money to be made, make it, of course. And then some people, it takes them a while. But usually, on average, it's about 40. So if you're in your 20s and you still you don't, don't feel like you're quite there, don't, don't have a midlife crisis in your, <laughs> in your 20s. You know, if you, if you do good things today, you're, you're going to end up with something better tomorrow. Do what you can day by day. Do what you can week to week, month. All of that. I've just found if you have a successful day, you'll have uh, those days turn into successful weeks. Really productive weeks turn into productive months, months into years and decades and all of those things. So, But in your teens, figure out who you are. In your 20s, you figure out where you're going. And then when you hit your 30s, uh, hopefully you're there. Your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, and your 60s, you're there. You know, you're there and you're excelling and you're doing your best. And then by the time you're 70, you're trying to get out of it. <laughs> oh, that's life. I, it's no wonder the, the, uh, the Bible says life is like grass. It grows, it's mowed, and it dies. That's life. It's like a vapor. The Bible says life is like a vapor. It, it, it takes some hairspray and just give it one squirt. It's there and it vanishes. That's life. So yeah, when you're trying to find yourself, figure out who you are, figure out where you're going, your teens, then your 20s, then your, your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 
hopefully you're there, and by the time you're 70, you're trying to get out of it. <laughs> oh, man. Now life isn't so bad, but I don't, in preparing for this podcast and praying, I just, you know, I don't see your faces when I record this, per se. I know you're there. It, it's so weird. Ever since I started doing this podcast, I feel the audience in the room. Like, I, I never feel alone. Maybe that's why it's so easy to talk. It's, I don't know, maybe we're connected somehow through, um, it's a spiritual thing, right? I believe in that. New Testament, Paul said, I can't be with you there physically, but I'm with you in spirit. So uh, that's probably a real thing. That's For those of you that are loyal listeners, there's a connection that's there. And uh, when I go places, when I travel and I meet some of you for the first time, it feels like we've always known each other. It's just strange like that, so... But I, I thank God for it. I thank God for the relationships that we've made here. But I just really feel like there's people out there in the church that really are battling this. I'm trying to find myself. And that's really a, a world's statement, a worldly statement, trying to find myself. And and I, I get it. You know, it's our language. It's our idiom. All of that. But I usually associate that with somebody who has gone through some type of crisis or they're always in a crisis and always in some kind of chaos. Uh, maybe a girl, uh, she's married and finds out her husband has been unfaithful. And since he's done that, you know, she's trying to make it work, but deep down inside, she's, she wants to leave and go find somebody else. So she cuts the hair, dyes the hair, paints the eyelids, uh, glosses up the lips, uh, the skirts get short, the shirts get tight, and she's posting on social media, I'm just trying to find myself. <laughs> really, she's trying to find a new man. Uh, that's what's going on. Finding myself with guys is usually uh, code for I'm getting into drugs, <laughs> heavy into drugs, trying to find myself, you know, uh, psychedelics, which are becoming very popular in our culture. I'm telling you, I feel it. And, t- and talking to people, I'm like, you are stoned out of your mind talking to me right now. And so they're trying to find themselves. Really, they're trying to lose themselves and try to escape reality and escape responsibility. Uh, when you go trying to find yourself, it becomes all about self. It becomes all about you. It becomes all about selfishness and not about uh, how you could please one day your wife someday or how you could please your husband one day or how you could uh, train up your children in the way that they should go. But it becomes all about you. All about you, your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, and not about serving others. It becomes so much about you that you forget about God. You forget about Bible and you forget about church. And it's all about finding you and finding yourself. Look, there's just this movement out there. And it really, it, it's been around since the 60s, the, the whole idea that searching for God and searching for something, you know, meaningful is cool, but to find it is not. <laughs> you know, searching is cool, but really trying to seek for it, seeking for it uh, is not. So uh, I, 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 you know, a lot of people, just, they just don't want a real goal. They don't really want a real truth. They really don't want a real absolutes, but they're just kind of searching and finding themselves. And, and along the journey, uh, do drugs, fornicate, uh, be into adultery, get into weird porn, uh, just lose your soul. You gain finding yourself and lose your own soul, all trying to f- find yourself. You know, And then even, of course, you go out and get a tattoo, and then you uh, get some piercings and you know, dye, dye the hair uh, purple and become a socialist and then decide you're gay. Finding yourself in the world. So, like, I get it. Sometimes bad things happen and you realize I've got to change the scenery of my life to disconnect from pain. I believe in that. That's healthy. I believe in a new change of scenery. Uh, a lot of people, sometimes college becomes a problem and they realize, okay, I need school, but the school I'm in right now is destroying my spirituality. I moved halfway around the world. I've spent tons of money, but I, I'm losing my soul. I've got to do something else. And then you move back home and go to community college, and you go from uh, studying oceanography to business. <laughs> and you feel like such a setback, but you know it's for my own good and for my own soul. Really what you're doing is you're trying to find God, and that's what you got to do. Find God. I heard one preacher say, you know, nobody finds God. God found us. Well... Okay, I get it. 
And you know, the preacher that said that, God bless him, I came to the altar and prayed. <laughs> I always do. But the Bible says, check it out in Isaiah 65, one of the famous messianic prophecy chapters of the Old Testament. The Lord uh, is speaking and says, I was found by those who did not even seek me. <laughs> Meaning if you're open for God, you'll find him even without seeking sometimes. And I think that's it was a prophecy about the church, the Gentile church uh, specifically. Were the Gentiles seeking for the true Messiah? No, we weren't. We were very content being pagan. We were very content being heathen. We were very content uh, with our idolatry and our perversion and our uh, totally dysfunctional, uh, toxic culture. We were on the brink of the end of civilization. Uh, but Jesus came, the church came, and we found God and we didn't even seek him. And so there is a finding God. I mean, once you get around the real Jesus, the real church, you've got it. And it, you've got a little spark of joy inside of your soul. It doesn't matter if you're having a bad day or what. You've always got a spark of joy inside of you. You have got to find God. The great Billy Cole Somebody asked him, how do you have all these people get the Holy Ghost? How have you had revival your whole life? How did you do so great in Thailand and then all these crusades here in America? And how, how did you do this? You know, they asked him and he said, you know what? It was simple. I figured out what God wanted to do. I figured out where he would do it and when he would do it. And I would just simply show up and be a part of it and watch it happen. <laughs> I mean, it's, and you know what? That's real. It's very true. That's how he lived his life and found success. He never wanted to find himself. Brother Cole never wanted to make his name great. He said, Lord, I want to know what you want to do, and let me just be there and be a part of it. It was that type of attitude, that type of heart, that type of spirit that was after God that the Lord blessed. And Brother Cole, and you, you know, you read his books. When he came back home from Thailand, it was hard. His wife was sick. A lot of horrible things happened. But he never sought to find himself. He always went after God. And God blessed him for it. So how do you find God? Uh, lose yourself. Take up your cross. Take it to where he took it. Uh, desire his will. Find God. Figure out where he is. And uh, you'll find yourself. The Justin C. Gleason Podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and more. Please leave a five-star rating and a great review. Contact me at justincgleason at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. And share this episode with your friends. We're taking the genre of religion and spirituality to another level. Gary Dornbach is the lead pastor of Refuge Church, Liberty, Missouri, and NAM director, North American Missions, director to the Missouri District UPCI. He joins us today to talk about his latest book, I Think I Am Called, a book that I wish so bad that I had at age 11 to read after the Lord called me into the ministry. It's a book to help anyone, anyone who feels a call to ministry to point them in the right direction in preparing for what God has for them. I think I'm called is available at Pentecostal Publishing, Amazon, and Barnes and Noble. Brother Dornbach, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. This is uh, exciting stuff. I look forward to chatting with you. Oh, great. In your book, right from the get-go, you talk a lot about uh, basically the first steps that people need to be taking in ministry. And obviously, it's different for everybody. But you pulled out some great examples about Moses and his call to the ministry. And right from the beginning, God's you write that God's ultimate goal was for Moses to lead the people out of Egypt to the promised land. So when God calls you, your first step is always the journey, and it's never the end of the calling. Moses' first step wasn't the promised land. It was getting people <laughs> you know, out of Egypt. And uh, why is that the first step in ministry is just so important? To lead up to what, you know, follows after that. And could you maybe share your first steps in ministry and what advice would you give to somebody who's ready to take that first step? Yeah, yeah, great question. It's a good place to start. Um, so I think about, I hate to date myself, but 
many of us listening may or may not remember when you would print off MapQuest directions. You know, you didn't have yes. You didn't have, so you'd print off the MapQuest, and, and that's why I can never complain about drivers today because right. oh man, they were looking down at their phone. Man, there was a day where I was grabbing my CD case on the floor while having my MapQuest printed directions on my lap. And uh, God, thank God that I'm still alive. Um, but, you know, if you were saying, okay, I'm driving. Truth be told, you to- still have that CD case in the bottom uh, <laughs> under your seat in your truck, don't you? Hey, hey, I, I'm subscribed <laughs> to Apple Music, so I'm big time. Now. Okay. Um, no, so, I, yeah, I mean, like, you you know, if you were trying to go to St. Louis, if you were trying to go to Florida, if you were trying to go wherever, when I drove out to California Bible College, I mean, like, I had that MapQuest, this, this list on my lap. Well, if I would have just skipped to step number three or said, man, I want to be at step number nine. Well, if I miss my first turn to head east or head west instead of wherever I'm going, that, that that's going to mess up the entire journey. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not getting to my destination. And so I think sometimes we look at where we are now. We look at where we want to be and we rush it or we get frustrated or we give up because you're like oh man that's going to take so how am i ever going to get there how's god going to open these doors nobody even knows who i am how is this going to happen and you just have to go okay what's step one step one is ahead take a right on this street (laughs) in 1.3 miles turn left like you just gotta you gotta go through the process and in that first step you know moses if he was living in a social media generation he'd have been he would have been tweeting or you know, posting, hey, just went into Egypt, told Pharaoh what's up, just let out blah, 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 this many people, uh, great day, you know, and, and but but that's not where it is. That's not where it ends. God wasn't like, yeah, just lead them out and congrats. This is awesome. They're free now. No, his calling was, that's the first step. I have a plan, but mm-hmm. there's going to be a journey here. And I think sometimes we get frustrated in the process because, and I think that's fair. It's not a knock on anybody. Anybody who's been called of God has been frustrated with God at some point in the process of just like, where are you, God? When is this going to happen? How is it going to happen? Lord, am I still supposed to be doing this? And we, and we can get we can get frustrated. But the key is is just get started in the process. And that first step is so huge because you are you are taking you are taking the proper steps toward the calling that he has for you. Don't despise the process. Mm-hmm. And that first step is that very first step in the process. For me, that first step was I just got serious about God. I was kind of raised in church. I came in when I was like six, seven years mm-hmm. old. Amen. Went through went through that kind of teenage years. Not everybody goes through it. I was one of those teenagers that went through it like, oh yeah, man, I'm cool. I can't, you know, I can't do this stuff. And uh never really like totally backslid. But if my parents would have said, You don't have to go to church today, I'd have been like, Cool, see you guys when you get back. Um, but when I turned 17, I was on a, a choir tour and God changed my life. And well, the way he changed it, I just, I gave in to what was going on. I, I responded to him and I just felt him speak something to me in the back of that church that night. And he said, it's time to get your priorities straight. And so for me, my first step was looking at myself. It wasn't pursuing a pulpit. It wasn't pursuing a Sunday school class. It wasn't trying to get my name out there. It was nothing like that. It was just for me, my first step was Gary, get your priorities in order. And and that's what that was my first step. Wow. So uh do you think for anybody their first step is gonna be the pulpit? <laughs> is that <laughs> how it works? No. I've called you to the pulpit. That's the first step. <laughs> I've had and I've had I wish, man, I had I had somebody recently tell me that, like, hey, I feel called to pulpit ministry. And I was like, that's awesome. But this is not where it starts. It starts way back here. Um you know, and, 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 and we can get into more of the details of that. But, yeah, sure. that's not the first step for sure. It's not. It's usually something like growing yourself, working on yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, waiting for the invite of somebody else to acknowledge that you, you've got a call on your life because another preacher will see it. Somebody else is anointed. They'll, they'll recognize it. It'll be yep. there. All that will happen. Yep. Absolutely. You wrote on page 25, I really liked this. You said, people who don't dream don't accomplish anything. Uh-huh. And they're not happy being miserable non-dreamers by themselves. They want uh, dreamers to be miserable along with them. <laughs> yep. So, you know, I, I've heard about dreams. And when we mean dreams, it means like kind of hopes and aspirations for God. And, and of course, it could be a, a literal spiritual dream, right? 
But sometimes dreams, they feel so unrealistic for people who have a call. And there's this push right now out there for people to forget about their dreams and just work on what is possible, (laughs) which (laughs) I suppose could be a good approach for some, but uh, not for anybody listening to this. We want to dream big. So what advice uh, would you give to somebody who wants to see their dreams fulfilled, you know, by God? Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you the easiest thing to find in the world. This is the easiest thing that you will ever find in your whole life. And that is someone to tell you, you can't do it. I mean, that, that you'll, you'll, you will find that everywhere. That's the easiest thing. Well, I was thinking about this. You can't do that. Well, I, I was going to try and do it. You can't do that. How are you going to do it? Like, that's simple. Every, you'll find that everywhere. Mm. I want to find the person that says, you know what? If God be for you, who can be against you? I got your back. You can do this. And that's in that. And that's really part of the reason I wrote this book too, is just, I want, I want you to go, Hey, if God is in this, I can, this, the sky's the limit. Like there's, there's no, as long as I'm making sure I, I, I always wanted to do this. I always wanted to be able to say to God, Lord, I have done every single thing in my power to prepare myself. Now, you have to do the rest. I just never wanted God to get into a spot where he was looking to accomplish something in me, through me, or around me, and I wasn't ready. So I was like, I, I got to make sure that I am ready, and then I'm just going to be like, God, you can do it. And if God is in this, which we know he is, if God's in it, then I'm like, I'm not going to let anybody tell me I can't do something because it's not about me anyway. It's about God. And so when I dream I want to. I want to dream big. I, I, I want to go. Okay, God, what is it that that you want to accomplish? What is it that you want to do? Because I know that these dreams can come to fruition. Mm. Amen. You said in page seventy-two that you find it very interesting when people beg for God to speak to them and lead them, but they haven't opened a Bible in months. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you want to make the dream go big, you better start getting in, getting in big into the word of God. So a personal devotion is just key to, uh, to be saved, but also for any minister. What are some good strategies uh, for developing good spiritual habits, such as prayer and uh, Bible reading? Yeah, you know, um, now being in youth ministry for a while and then being a lead pastor now for almost 13 years, I've had a lot of people that, mm. of course, want to talk to you and say, I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. I wish God would speak to me. I, I, oh, if God would just talk to me. I just wish I knew God would, you know, he, he's been so silent. And I'm like, listen, I absolutely want to hear from God too. There are times where I wish God would just call my cell phone, text me, I wish the, I I picture God to have a booming voice. You know, I'm going to be disappointed if I get to heaven and God's like, Hey Gary, what's up? You know, like I'm expecting God to be like, Gary, you know, I'd love to hear that, that booming voice just, just come into my life. But sometimes he's not going to do that because if he's given us 66 different written books that address everything from struggles uh, that address from prayer and teach us to pray and how to deal with people. What happens if we fall away? What, what, what his plan for our salvation is? Where do we go if we follow it? What happens if we don't? I mean, he lays everything out. The answers to life are found in his word and the answers to our personal growth and development challenging us. I mean, the, the Bible says it's for reproof and, and, and instruction and correction. And like, it's so, it's, it's so jam packed with principles for our lives, calling ministry, future eternity. So to say God's not speaking to me is just, it's not fair. I understand the context and what's in which somebody would say that, but I want to say, when's the last time you read the word? Have you been in the word? Have you been seeking for answers in the word? Because to me, I am such a word preacher. I know, I know different people preach out and do different things. And sometimes we'll have somebody, oh, I don't have any scriptures today. I'm just kind of preaching biblical concepts. That's not me. There's times where our media team might hate me because I'm giving 15 passages, you know, because for <laughs> me, it's, it's all about the word. I, right. I, the word is what changes lives, you know. So for you personally, if you're going, I want to be called, I, I feel called of God. I want to, I want to pursue that calling. I want to see, which by the way, I don't like that terminology. And we pursue the calling. I like pursue God and the, 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 mm. the calling will birth itself out of that relationship. But, but 
for for me, it is about just being in the word, applying the word to your life, to your to what ministry God has through you. And uh, that's another pet peeve of mine. I, I just dropped in these out there. When people get up and again, I understand the context when they say my ministry, well, my ministry started here, my ministry, this, I don't even use that terminology. I'm not saying anybody who does is a sinner or anything like that. It's just a personal pet peeve. I always say it's God ministering through me. It's not really my ministry. It's what God's doing through me. I'm just a conduit kind of that, that, that electrical plug where I just, God flows through me, but I'm not actually the source of the power anyway. Um, but yeah, I like to to say, get in the word. The word is what is going to change not only others' lives when you're preaching, teaching, Bible study, teaching a Sunday school class, but it's also going to be what changes your life and keeps you growing and keeps uh, you know the reproof and the instruction, the correction in your own life. Yes, and if you're going to preach, your greatest resource is the Bible, and you yeah. preach about what you know about. Yeah. And- you can tell somebody who knows their Bible or not pretty quick in that message. And yeah. uh, I mean, the world, the word is really what's powerful, quick, sharp, all of that. So, yeah, get in the Bible and read, read, read. And when you think you've read enough, read some more. You yep. said you talked a, a good portion of it also just about leadership, some good beginner concepts and how to develop as a leader. Because if, if you're going to minister, you have to, to lead. You know, by example, be a step or two out in front of everybody. And you say the greatest leaders are those who start with internal principles that will work their way outward. Mm-hmm. As a leader, you always minister through what is in your spirit. What types of things do um, leaders need to be doing to have a that, what the psalmist said, renew a right spirit within me? How do you get yeah. that renewed right spirit within you as a as a minister, an aspiring minister who wants to lead? Yeah, I uh, so I've I've obviously been blessed. You know, you and your family and and your your father has always said what's in the heart of the pastor is in the heart of the people, and he attributes that to other people who've said it before him. Uh, Shout out so, to Dad Stan Gleason. Yeah, he does yeah. say that. <laughs> He's amazing, and 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 that's the truth because. Really, we are, whether I say we, me, you, any minister, any person doing anything for the kingdom of of God is going to minister. You don't just minister a word. You don't just minister a topic. You minister your spirit. Mm. When you you stand in a sit in a Bible study, stand in a pulpit, when you get up to sing, okay, whatever you're doing, when you're teaching children, you are ministering your spirit. And so... For me, I am, I am, I want to, when I prepare, I'm going, God, don't just anoint the mess. Don't just anoint the delivery. We, we pray and fast over our delivery all the time, but anoint the preparation. And the preparation is when I'm studying the word, when I'm, when the word's coming to life in my own heart and mind for a Bible study, for a lesson, for, for, uh, for even this podcast, thinking about things that I would want to talk about that I would, uh, God, what do you want to say to people? Um, because it's, it's, it's more, I'm ministering, every time I do anything, I'm ministering my spirit. And so I have to guard my heart. I have to, that's where I'm creating me a clean heart, God. Renew a right spirit within me. God, help me. Because I want to make sure that what's in here that is going to make its way out. I don't ever want to just stand in a pulpit and be a professional speaker that can share a good topic and rely on my own ability and skills. I want to go, God, what you've birthed inside of me, Lord, help me to somehow communicate that and speak through me so that what's inside and that you've been dealing with me on that I can begin to, to adequately share that with someone else. Because we, as, as we step into leadership, aspiring leaders, leaders of church, we are not only ministering what are, what's in our spirit, but we also are, the water is never going to rise higher than the source. And so where my sure. personal convictions are, where my prayer life is, where my fasting, my Bible reading, where my consecration, where my commitment, I'm never going to lead a people that across the board are living more consecrated. Now, there's certainly, of course, there's great Christians in every church. I'm not saying that. But people typically are not, you're not going to have a wealth of people that are living more consecrated than the, the spiritual leadership. Or they give more than the spiritual leadership. They serve more than the spiritual leadership. They pray more than the spiritual leadership. Really, Leaders are called to be leaders for such a time as this and for such a reason as this. Sometimes I'll even say to my wife, oh, man, I can't believe this. 
I, I called this and nobody showed up or this happened and I was hoping to get more of a response. You know, when I was at this age, if my pastor would have done this, I would have done that. And, and every once in a while she'll go, Gary, um, that's probably why God has you in the role of a pastor leading a church because you did do those things. And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess. And so I think for, for leaders, we have to know that, hey, I, I need to step up. I need to step up in my level of giving. I need to step up in my level of service. I need to step up in my level of prayer and reading the word and, and sacrifice and worship and, and, and reaching the lost, making disciples. I, I, I need to step up if I'm going to be a leader. I'm not just going to sit around waiting for, well, maybe they'll call me to preach next Sunday. No, get out there and do something. Absolutely. Uh, you also said if you want to be great, then start serving. Yes. And I hear that. I've heard that preached my whole life and some get it, some don't, some really don't know what to do. And I think it, it kind of comes down to two things. Either you, people just are, are respectful and wait to be asked to serve in some type of capacity. And, and that's good. But then other times I think, you know, you see something, you see a, a some type of glitch, some type of gap, some type of empty space and maybe the church system. And there's the just do it factor. So what is your idea of, you know, based upon those two thoughts and developing a good uh, serving characteristic inside of a leader to develop a ministry? So I think serving starts more, everything. Sin is a hard issue. Um, so is serving. It's it, it, serving. The concept of serving starts in your heart and mind before you ever do the action, before we talk about preaching versus Sunday school versus cleaning versus picking people up for church. Like before we talk about the action, it's the mindset. And so serving, there should be nothing. There is nothing in the kingdom of God that is below any of us. And so we have to get that in our head that when we're ready to, when we're, when we're saying, Oh, I want to serve. Well, where do I start serving? And then how do I serve? And, and what action do I take? Like, don't think about the action. It first has to be the mindset. And the mindset is I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I've heard people say, yeah, but you know, the church just used me. And well, you said to God, Lord, please use me. And then when God starts to use you, you're frustrated because someone used you like, no, I mean, we're, we're in this to go, Lord, I'm, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to, I am, I am willing to do. So when I got serious about God, I was like, Lord, I will do anything. I will go anywhere at all. You just tell me, and I promise you, I will do it. And so it was neat because now I look back and anytime I stand in the pulpit, I tell our church this all the time. I will never ask you to do something that I have not done myself. And I can say I went to a church of about 1,400 people growing up, blessed to go to a larger church and, you know, blessing or curse, whatever you want to say, I guess. For me, it was a blessing. I went to a larger church and I was able to just have a great group of people, that great leadership team, great youth group. And I did everything in the church except for nursery. I don't remember ever doing a nursery shift. <laughs> so I guess I need to volunteer for nursery one of these days. But, oh, Lord. Uh, but every other thing, cleaning, sound, projection, singing, choir, praise team, speaking, youth ministry, children's ministry, ushering, cleaning the church, doing landscaping, like everything that has gone on in church. And so neat because here I am serving a local church in, in, in this leadership role and I can look back and, and, and so for me, it added value to every individual who does anything on our church. My mom, which I, 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 I'll talk more about them a little bit later, but my mom served all the time. Hmm. And so for me, I value each person that does anything because I've done all of these things. But the reason I did those things is because I looked at it like God, like scripture says, do everything wholeheartedly is unto the Lord. So no matter what I was doing, I was going, God, I am serving your kingdom. I'm serving the local church. I'm going to do it as unto you because I mean, and who's, I'm not going to lie. I was like, Oh man, I'd love to pass. You. Oh man. It'd be so awesome to stand in that pulpit. Of course, because you feel called to that pulpit ministry and God would birth messages in my spirit. But I knew it's not just about that. And so I think servanthood is just the mindset of, I am willing to do it anything for the kingdom but then to piggyback or to go to the second part of that question i'm not just gonna sit and go well pastor never called on me like i said i went to a church of 1400 people if i was just sitting there waiting for pastor to call on me i'd have still been sitting in oak creek wisconsin 
Hmm. Because there has to be something that when you you know when you want something bad enough, you are going to make it happen. You might not have money, right. but you want to go to Disney World, you're going to figure out how to go to Disney World. If you want to go to a sporting event or a Royals game or wherever you go, you're going to figure out a way to go there. If you want to go out for steak, you're going to figure out a way to go to steak. Whatever it is that you do, okay, mm. you're going to Royals, figure out a way. steak, yes. Mm. <laughs> we should say barbecue in our area, but uh, yes. and so – so, so for you, if you, if you want something bad enough, you are going to figure out a way to do it. So get, get around the, the, the leaders. If you're not a currently a leader, get around the leaders of your church. Be like, hey, is there anything you guys, you guys need? Could I help with anything? Uh, hey, you know, you, you got a lot going. You go up to your pastor and say, hey, I'm here to serve you. What could I possibly do in the next couple of weeks to bless the kingdom of the local church or you personally? Is there anything at all? Oh, no, I'm fine, but thanks. That's a good spirit. Well, then you, you find somebody else. You go to yourself. Like you you serve as, as a pastor there on, at, at Life Church. And so you you go to you. Hey, Pastor Justin, is there something I can do? I, I think if somebody comes to you enough, you're looking at this person going, wow, this person willing to do anything. And then when you And then when you give them something and they do it, and they do it with excellence, with consistency. That is this type. Those are the types of things that will catch the eyes of the people, maybe that you might be trying to catch their eye in, in, in higher level leadership or whatever, you, however you put it. Um, but it also catches the eye of the Lord, and that's the most important thing because He's the one who opens the doors. And so, I think it's so key to be like, what can I do? What can I get involved in? And just start serving somewhere. If it's cleaning, if it's doing projection, if it's teaching a Bible study, we're not all called to be preachers. We're not all called to be in nursery, but I believe every single person is called to make a disciple. So go start that process. Go, go, go start serving in some capacity, pick people up for church. You do not have to wait to get a phone call or an invitation to start doing something for the kingdom. So that's what I mean when I say start serving somewhere. Yes. You wrote, understand that your entire life is a part of your calling, your entire life. Uh, can you elaborate on what you meant by that? And how has your, your life played a part in fulfilling your calling? Well, I think I, I'm going to probably butcher the statement, but it's something like, uh, you know, when, preach a great message and when necessary use words um mm, yeah. that that that's it i mean i want when people interact with me whether it's in church out of church in the community whatever it is i pray i pray i can't say i can't say oh yes this is me all the time no i pray that when they leave an interaction with me they're like wow i want to know the god that he serves that's my, I hope, I pray. That's the only thing I can hope of that, that when I walk away, people are going, I want to know the God that he serves. I want, it's for me, I'm always every day, every, every single day without fail. I am, I am praying through the fruit of the spirit. I think sometimes, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a spirit filled apostolic Pentecostal believer. Um, and I think sometimes we desire spiritual gifts, which we should, because scripture tells us we should desire those things. But I think sometimes we desire the spiritual gifts and forget the fruit of the spirit. And for me, I'm praying, Lord, help me today. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. Because if I'm living that, then I am, I am, I am radiating fruit of his spirit i'm radiating what i believe is reflection of jesus christ sure. if i love well if i'm patient if i'm if i control have self-control all of these different things if i'm kind because let's face it i mean it's it's nearly impossible to be perfect in all of those things every single day whether we're having a good day a bad day but i know that lord if i have your spirit and your spirit is still working in me like it should be then these are natural things that should be, these are the, the fruit is the natural offspring of a tree when it's healthy, you know? So these are things that should naturally be occurring in my life if the spirit is accomplishing that which it desires. And so I really, really focus on that because to me, if, if I said in the beginning, you know, a couple minutes ago that we minister our spirit, mm. well, then what are we ministering? I hope I'm ministering love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. 
But I think that doesn't happen just on accident. We have to be intentional about developing those things. We have to be in the word. We have to be saying, okay, man, I messed up. You know, there's times where I, I, I'm even as a, even as a dad, that's the greatest ministry, by the way, that I have more than a pastor or anything is, is being a dad. And I know you feel that same with your, with your kids. But for me, there's, there's times where I'll say to, you know, at, I'll go to bed and I'll be like, man, I did, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I did a good job today. And there's other times I go to bed and I'm like, Lord, why did you entrust these three incredible lives to my care? Because I'm not doing a wonderful job. And I got to walk into my kids and say, guys, I'm sorry, daddy. Daddy got frustrated today. I messed up. And, you know, and, and so for me, I'm, I'm not only aiming to have that fruit of my spirit in my heart, but I'm also trying to teach others, including my children, like, hey, this daddy kind of dropped the ball here today. But I want to help them develop that fruit and let them see what it looks like, you know, kind of in failure too. And so just all of that is, for me, I think we're always ministering our spirit. And and so our lives are going to reflect that. Amen. You talked about your parents a little bit here and there throughout the book, the influence they had on you. But particularly on page 131, you said your mom and your dad personally reached more than 500 people (laughs) through home Bible studies. And sadly, tragically, unfortunately, your father went to be with Jesus in 2011 due to complications after a car accident. Can you tell us a little bit about your parents, especially your dad, and what do you... What did your parents do that you feel impacted you in your in your life direction? And how do you think that impact can make a difference in our generation? Man, so I got to be intentional to keep this to a short response. I will lose all the listeners. Answer as long as you want. Take your time. I, could, Seriously. I really could. Yeah, I, go ahead. I really could take I really could take a while, but I, I will I'll share this one little nugget that doesn't really have to do with the question, but I think you'll find interesting. Sure. So my dad, his favorite preacher in the entire world was Brother Lee Stone King. Mm. And he's got he good taste. Back, he's one of the uh, greatest. <laughs> he's, he's incredible. So he's one of, he, my dad had tape racks back in the day. Tapes were a big deal. And I'm telling you, there was tape racks hanging on his wall loaded with Lee Stone King messages. I, everywhere I drove with my dad, wow. I heard a Lee Stone King message. Like, and brother Stone King was very vital in my dad's conversion from being a drug addict, alcoholic, uh, just struggling into coming into his relationship with Christ and through, through home Bible studies. And that's why he was so passionate about Bible studies. But uh, Brother Stone King prophesied over him that he was reaching for a demonstration of the spirit of God in power. Mm. And Brother Stone King said, you're going to have it. And you're going to have it in your living room. It's going to happen through home Bible studies. My dad had just came into church, didn't even know really. He came in through a home Bible study, but that was prophesied over him. And to say that that prophecy came to pass, my mom and dad saw those hundreds of people come in literally through home Bible studies. If you'd went to my dad and said, could you preach this? He'd say, I'll call my son. He's a preacher. I ain't no preacher. I'm just a, I'm just a guy hanging out on the street and ex drug addict. Who's just running people for, for Christ. Like that was his attitude. And so, uh, but so anyway, so his favorite preacher is brother stone King. Well, after I moved to the Kansas city area, your father asked me to open up and speak at a mantle conference right before brother Lee stone King was preaching. My dad flew into that. Uh, in November of 2010, and he said he was telling everybody, I get to hear my two favorite preachers at the exact same place. <laughs> and uh, me and Brother Stone King preached that night, and my dad died two months later. Wow. And just, I was there that night. It was a great uh, service. Man, so for me, that's so special because it was such an, not because I my name was in lights with Lee Stone King or no, none of that, but because of my dad, that was one of the last memories he had, and he was on cloud nine over that over that. So that was incredible. But really to your question, uh, I shared on it a little bit, you know, my daddy grew up drugs, alcohol, didn't have a permanent license till he was almost 40. Just, uh, he'd wake up, not know where his car was in the morning. He, uh, just, he, he'd sleep with shotguns in the sides of his bed. He, he just, he, he lived oh, yeah. a life and my dad and my mom never touched alcohol and drugs, but she had us and my dad would be out running around and, you know, and, and she'd be trying to take care of my older sister and myself. 
And uh, people would say to her, even now, they would say, why did you stay with your husband all those years? And she'd be like, I don't even know. I mean, it was a God thing. I, I don't know why I did. Um, and so she stayed with him. Well, he ended up getting invited to a Bible study several times from a lady who was in AA with him, Alcoholics Anonymous. And he didn't want anything to do with it. But he was like, if I come, will you shut up and stop inviting me? And so he kind of went. But he had already been arrested several times. He was in with some drug dealers for quite a bit of money. And he was he had already tried this once managing a Kentucky fried chicken, but he was now managing a Japanese steakhouse and was gonna keep the till for the whole the, the weekend, which if you work restaurant, you know you don't do that. And he was gonna keep the whole weekend's till and just say, Come on in, look like a robbery, I'll hand it over to you. Well, he had already done that once and got busted. And so it wouldn't take a rocket scientist to know that that was, you know, it's Gary Dornbach because his name was also Gary. And uh, he pulled out a picture of me as a three-year-old boy and he began to cry. And he said, God, if you're, if you're out there, if you're real, um, I don't even know my son. I, I need help. And he didn't wow. rob the place and he didn't rob the place that night. And he got invited to this Bible study, went to a Bible study. It was just lesson three of exploring God's word, a, a pretty well-known Bible study. Nothing like earth shattering, life changing, but he just, he held back tears for an hour. And mm. uh, he ended up going into a Pentecostal church in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, Park Apostolic Church. The Bible study was taught by Pastor Anthony Tamil. And uh, mm. he was baptized in Jesus name, filled with the Holy Ghost. And from that moment on, then Brother Stone King prophesied over him, and he began to teach a Bible study. And at his first Bible study, I believe he had 22 people. And he had more people come into the church. He taught for like 20 plus years. And he had more people come into the church as a result of that first Bible study, more than any other study he ever taught. And it just, to me, that's just incredible too, because obviously he got to be a better teacher as years went on. But it was so powerful. That was God. It's always been God. And so God used him in that first study. And my dad would always say, you know, when you become a soul winner is when you make a decision to teach and never stop. Not, not how many people you win, not many, how many lives you can, how many seats you can save in your row at your church. But when you really become a, a, a spiritual giant, a leader in the kingdom of God is when you make a decision to do something and you do not stop based on what is or is not transpiring. It's a mindset, it's a decision. And so my dad wrote Bible studies and he just taught them all over. He would, he spent time with the Willoughby's in Singapore, Malaysia. He traveled overseas. He went into churches and showed them how to teach Bible studies because people started to hear about how incredibly successful he was teaching these studies that he had written. And, um, and so, yeah, he was just, he, what an incredible testament. He would carry his mug shots around in his Bible Huh. And he would sell food for a living. And he, and he, by the time he, passed, cool. you know, before he passed, he had gained quite a bit of weight. So people couldn't really tell. He'd pull out a mugshot. He goes, Hey man, check this out. You know who this is? And he'd go into restaurants and, and mechanics and cause he'd sell chemicals and sell food and, and paper products. And he'd say, you know who this is? And they would look and that man, who's that? He's a convict. He's like, yep, that convict is me, man. And he would just share his story with anybody who would listen. And so just at his funeral, he, uh, I, I stood up and I preached my dad's funeral, which was, was a tough thing, but it was pretty neat because mm. I just shared his story. And I said, if you're here, there, there were probably 600 people at this funeral. And I said, if you're here and you're in a church as a result of my dad teaching you a Bible study, would you stand to your feet? And just at his funeral, hundreds of people stood to their feet. It, wow was so powerful. That is powerful. It was so powerful because that legacy, and I still have people contact me for its Bible study and I'm still teaching it myself. Um, and so it was so incredible, but he would just, I'd be eight years old. Gary, you going to teach a Bible study? I'd be like, no, dad. He'd, I'd be 10. He'd be like, Gary, when you can teach your first Bible study? I'd be like, dad, I'm 10 years old, you know? And so I finally taught my first one at 17, but I made that decision. Like he said, to, to teach and never stop. And, uh, and so it's just, I believe the word of God is the most powerful thing. But I'll say one thing about my mom. And my dad gets a lot of the, the glory, the credit. He was the one up front. He was the one that was on staff at our church as an evangelism director. And he was the one reteaching re Bible studies, doing seminars, all this. My mom never taught a Bible study till after my dad passed. She now attends our church. And my mom is currently teaching a Bible study. She's already taught about four, five, six different Bible studies herself. But she was always there 
a crucial, crucial component of, you know, listening to people and, and hugging ladies and crying with them and praying with them at the altar and opening her home and making disciples behind closed doors. And they gave me such an unbelievable, and I touch on this in the book, an unbelievable blend of what it takes to be in ministry because my dad was just a share your testimony out front, do it, you know, and, and be bold for God. My mom was a little more shy, but she was the one that every single event, my mom cleaned the church. She served the meals. Everybody left. She swept the floors, wiped down the tables, put the chairs back where they belong. My mom's still at our church. She's in charge of the cleaning ministry in her sixties. My mom has the heart of a servant. And so for me, when I go into churches now, I'll see kitchen staff serving me and, oh, now I'm the big lead pastor. I get to walk up. Oh, you said, you said I was the North American missions director. I have some of these cool titles, but I walk up here and I still look at the kitchen staff and say, thank you so much, you guys, for making such a beautiful meal. This is wonderful because to me, I see my mom. I see my mom in the back. I see my mom serving. I see my mom that is not doing the things that usually are getting kudos and applause uh, but but they're making a difference in the kingdom. And so for me, they both invested so many incredible things that I am so truly grateful for as now a pastor and, and working in the kingdom. Mm. Well, that's good. Well, my heart is moved and stirred, amen, to continue uh, to, to take those steps and the process it takes to fulfilling your ministry because it, it takes your life it takes everything that's what god wants is our lives awesome yep. brother dornbach thank you so much for uh sharing with us some of the insights of your book i really appreciate you coming on my friend oh i loved it and thanks uh thanks for letting me chat with y'all absolutely all right listeners at the close of this podcast go get i think i am called now what it'll point you in the right direction I'm Justin C. Gleason. Thank you so much.